0: Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker.
1: It is great to have Marnie with us this morning. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what she has to share. Uh,
0: Craig, Pastor Craig Wood's sister clearly got all the looks in the family. Uh, I don't quite know what he got, but he got the raw deal. Um, Craig's speaking for us in a couple of weeks, and he's been talking you up. And, uh, and so we, we are thankful that you could be with us this morning as a, as a mum that are able to share the Word of God with us this morning and encourage us. I want to give Marnie a hand as she comes. shares this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I've already had a blast from the past. Thank you for that, Alison. Is your sister here, Janelle? Oh, hello! Hi! <laughs> oh my gosh! They probably don't. They remember, probably remember me as like about this big, um, playing in the grapevines. We lived at Orchard Hills. Grew up there together, and. They would be ones to testify that it is an absolute miracle that I am standing here and that even, no, more of a miracle that my brother Craig is preaching in a couple of weeks. That's the miracle, let me tell you. Um, yeah, so we, I didn't come from a Christian home and I, I often wonder, are, are your parents here? Okay, well, Pat and, um, John Donnelly, I, you know, we knew that you guys were a Christian family and I often wonder if you guys were praying for us because, I didn't come from a Christian home, um, in fact, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 16, and there was a lot of chaos in my home. But beautiful parents, they loved us a lot, but didn't know much about how to get along most of the time, and, you know, dysfunction, um, we, we, we're used to that in our world, aren't we? At the age of 14, uh, actually, probably a bit earlier than that, the age of 13, my eldest brother, Craig, um, who you will meet in a couple of weeks, if you haven't already, um, You know, there was a guy that lived around the corner. His name was John Lamprell, and he went to a very small, insignificant church that is now known as Imaginations Church. Um, And he um, uh, used to give my brother a lift into college at um, Homebush there when he started his Institute of Sport um, when he did his degree. And you've got to understand, my brother was, well, he would have claimed to be an atheist. And mum used to take us to the Uniting Church every so often, and I went to uh, MLC, a very uh, prestigious uh, Christian all-girls school in Strathfield. So I heard about the name of Jesus. And um, But yeah, so my brother came home one day after spending some time with John Lamprell, and you've got to understand that John Lamprell is now a missionary in China and a wild evangelist. And so my brother just got it every single day, <laughs> going to and fro. Um, you know, and there was no other way for him to get to college but with John Lamprell. And and anyway, consequently, my brother gave his heart to the Lord, and then um, came home and told told me I needed to beca- become born again. And I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, and 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 ran way 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 away from that. Um, he began to talk to me about the um, second coming of Christ, as you do when you're a new believer and you just talk about all that sort of thing, you know, like you just get really wild. And uh, anyway, he scared the pants off me because one day he went missing. And I honestly thought I had been left behind. <laughs> You've got to understand, when you live on five acres and someone's gone, you, you sort of wonder whether, you know, it's like, where are they? And um Anyway, I ran, I remember ringing one of my friends that um, I knew that was a Christian, and just to check that she was still around, because I thought if anyone's going, she'd be gone. Anyway, she was there. So, phew. So, yeah. At the age of 14, I gave my heart to the Lord, um, and and then you know, uh, you know, here I am. I am married to a wonderful man, Rowan. is my husband. And I have three beautiful children, um, Trinity, Chelsea, and Lincoln. And my in-laws are here today who are not um, strangers to this church. So Derek and Christine Kitching are here. Um, and they're living on the Gold Coast now, suffering for Jesus. And um, in Southport, yes. And, but they've come down to visit us, so thanks for having us. So that's a little bit of a background, just so you know. I'm no stranger to this area. I'm a local girl and here in love with God to share and encourage you this morning. I've got to tell you a Mother's Day joke. I'm not really good at jokes, but I'll try. I'll try really hard. So there were three sons who um, went to live their careers after, you know, doing all their studies and, and had become very wealthy and successful. And um, after many years, they came back together and they were bragging to each other about the gifts that they'd had sent their mum. And the first son said, well, I built mum a mansion. And the second son, well, I sent her a Mercedes Benz with a chauffeur. And the third son said, oh, guys, I'm I'm outdoing you all. We all know mum loves to read the Bible and her eyesight's very good. So I went to a monastery and trained up a parrot to recite the entire Bible. I donated $100,000 a year, over 20 years, so that this could happen. And then I sent this parrot to mum so that at any time she just had to name a chapter in the Bible and the parrot would recite the whole chapter. They're like, wow. Anyway, meanwhile, mum was writing thank you notes to her sons. And she writes, Marvin, no, Milton, sorry. She wrote to the first son. Thank you for the mansion, but the house is way too big. I get lost and I only really spend my time in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. Then she wrote to the second son. Dearest Melvin, thank you for the Mercedes, but I'm too old to travel and go anywhere and the chauffeur is so rude. And then she writes to the third son. Dear Mark, thank you for your ingenious gift. You were the only son that had the good sense to really know what your mother likes. That chicken you sent me was delicious. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Do you really know what your mother likes? (laughs) Who got their cup of tea in bed? Yes, okay. See, I, my husband didn't give me a cup of tea in bed because I don't like cups of tea in bed. I get crumbs everywhere and, you know, and then I get lonely as well. I'm sitting in bed, everyone's out there and I'm kind of like, I like to be with everyone. So anyways, happy Mother's Day. I thought it would be good today to talk about Eve, being that she is the beginning of all femininity. She was the master design that all us women came from. Mother Earth, I believe today on Mother's Day, it would be encouraged to learn a few lessons from Eve. And some pearls. I I kind of wonder what she might tell our daughters. What would Eve, what advice would she give me personally? What advice would she give our men about how to treat a woman? Or what would she say to us about our identity in God? Here in the 21st century, it's probably pretty easy to see that we've travelled and um, probably come a long way from that beginning design of Eve. Do you know that UNICEF just put out, um, they, they say that on a world scale, one in every three women are persecuted under domestic violence. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> there are women that can't be educated in our world today. That have no right to vote, no right to speak up in public. There are women that are suffering. In fact, it is said that, that, that women are the most persecuted people group in the world. Women. That's staggering. And yet, we have this beautiful Eve that we see in the garden and part of God's plan and master design for human humankind on earth, and how far we have strayed. So I want to start in Genesis 1.27. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Within six days, God created earth. It was good. It was, and it was, a, the ama- it was an amazing artistic masterpiece. However, it hadn't been finished. The, yet the best was yet to come. The universe stood, stood still at the attention, awaiting for God's final creation, mankind. First, Adam formed from the dust of the ground, and then finally, the dramatic unveiling of the woman Eve. Or like some people, I've heard some preachers say. Uh, You know, she was called woman because Adam said, whoa, man. I reckon that's probably true, to be honest. Beautifully made from one of Adam's ribs and presented by God to Adam. I love the bit where it talks about God then used the rib that he had taken from man to make woman and he presented her. It was like an unveiling to Adam. Like, I have got the best surprise for you, Adam. You are going to be so excited about this. I know you've been hanging out with the giraffes and the lions and all that, but you should wait and see what I've made for you. She was amazing. She was beautiful. And that is my first point. That is our first lesson from Eve this morning. Women, you were designed to be beautiful it's no revelation that we are very different, okay, from the men. But it takes sometimes a bit of a revelation or at least an understanding from God to really receive that revelation that you are beautiful. You are really beautiful. And God always purposed it that way. And it's okay to know that and receive that. You know, I I, um, had a friend that well, she was someone that I was coaching. I'm actually a life coach. I do one-on-one coaching with people. And, and this particular um, lady was, uh, her daughter had actually come to see me and I was doing some work with this family. And the daughter had major self-esteem issues. And um, this was a Christian family and she loved her daughter. But one of the things that I found out is that she found it really, she was so caught up with not wanting her daughter to be big-headed or uh, superficial is probably the better word, that she found it very difficult to give her compliments about how beautiful and wonderful she was. And consequently, this this young girl was struggling with her self-esteem because her mum never said anything about it. And I was talking to the mum and we were talking. I said, you know, you live in the Blue Mountains. I said, when you go and see those views, what do you say? And she goes, oh, wow, they're stunning. I said, that's right. Because that's God's beauty right there in front of you. And it's okay for you to say it's beautiful. Your daughter is part of God's creation. It's okay to say it's beautiful, folks. There's nothing superficial about that. It's stunning. And we celebrate it. Genesis 2.22 says, God put the man into a deep sleep. As he slept, he remo- removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. Now, here's the thing. There are two... In Genesis 2.7, it talks about God formed man, that was Adam, Adam but in genesis 2:22 it says he he made woman there's two different words here and if we you know I won't go into the the pronunciation of the greek or the hebrew or notice that there are two different words however the word or the, sorry the word made or make used to describe the creation of woman has the meaning built adam was formed but eve was built. Are you getting this? Adam was formed, but Eve was built. Adam was taken from the dirt, (laughs) whereas woman was taken from the side of Adam and was beautifully designed. It's kind of like Adam was the project home, Eve was architecturally designed, ladies. It was like, okay, I've got this, this plan here, but we're going to need an architect on this one. We're going to have to go to, to the, you know, it, really go for it here. And she was built. And there's a totally different word in, around how she was designed. It, I want my daughters to know this about themselves. I want all women to realize this and accept their remarkable beauty. This is the scene in creation, how, demonstrate, how God demonstrates his high value on women. And we as girls need to join Eve's position of the fairest of all creation. Yes, coined from Snow White herself. <laughs> but we are. And, and, and guys even know this, you know, um, they do. And we need to accept that we were built and designed. Audrey Hepburn said... The beauty of a woman must be seen from in her eyes because that is the doorway to her heart, the place where love resides. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Never lose an opportunity, I love this, of seeing anything beautiful, for beauty is God's handwriting. When we receive that revelation, when we understand that, and my girls, when they begin to walk in that and understand that they have been designed and that they are beautiful, I know that their self-esteem, their confidence, and guess what happens? They give glory to God when they do that. And, and there's a sense about them that, that a grace and a loveliness and a purity. I want us to, I've got a little clip that I want to show us this morning. It's um, actually from the product brand Dove, but it illustrates this point precisely how i'd love to be it to be illustrated so can we bring that up
2: rosy but mine are pretty plain if i was going to change one feature about my face i would say that i would want fuller lips I'm definitely a person that looks tired when I'm tired, and when people say that, I immediately am like, oh, man. I'm starting to already get little crows eat and stuff, which, like, my mom has, so, yeah.
1: I'm a forensic artist. I was trained at the FBI Academy in 1993 in composite art. Worked for the San Jose Police Department as the police artist from 1995 to 2011.
2: We didn't really know what we were doing. So that was nerve-wracking for everyone.
3: I showed up to a place I had never been and walked into this big warehouse. And at the very end, there was a guy with his back to me with a drafting
1: board. I had a curtain separating me so that I don't see him. Um, We'll begin. First of all, tell me about your hair.
2: Um, Brown long, I guess a little bit past my shoulders.
1: Your
3: jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. Yeah, they're brown eyebrows, dark brown eyebrows. Okay. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing
2: me.
1: Tell me about your chin.
2: I guess I haven't really compared it to anyone else's chin, but um, especially when like I smile, I just feel like it kind of protrudes a little bit. Hmm.
1: What would be your most prominent feature?
2: I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. You sort of realize, oh man, now I I have to talk about myself and and, and think about my looks. I'm 40, so I'm starting to get a little bit of the crow's feet thing going on. Um...
1: Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see
3: him. I still didn't know. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe.
1: Today I'm gonna ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm gonna ask you some general questions about their face.
2: She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin was a nice, thin chin.
1: Hmm. The women were really critical about Moles or scars or things like that and yet they were describing just a normal beautiful person She had nice eyes they lit up when she spoke and Were very expressive the length of the nose. What is that like? A short short.
0: Yeah cute nose
1: Her face was fairly thin She had blue eyes very nice blue eyes, okay? So this is your self-described image and then somebody else described you and I did this sketch.
2: I have this whole thing about having dark circles and crows feet around my eyes and that was not part of the sketch at all, that The Stranger did. The Stranger's was a little more, like, gentle. That's pretty
1: different.
2: Closed off and fatter. She
1: just looks kind of shut down. Sadder, too. The second one is more beautiful. I think they're catching more of that from you. Yeah, yeah. 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 She looks more open
3: and um, friendly and.
2: a long way in how I see myself but I think I still have oh. some way to go mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
3: I have some work to do on myself
1: do you think you're more beautiful than you say yeah
3: yeah Chloe's perception was so, so clearly different. Her picture looked like somebody I thought I would want to talk to and be friends with, like a happy, light, much younger, much brighter person. It's troubling. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness.
2: Our self-perceptions are generally kind of harsh and unbecoming when really that's not how the world sees us. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right and we should spend more time appreciating the things that
0: nothing more critical. What good is it for us to be so critical of ourselves, ladies? What do you gain? Nothing. What do you lose? A lot. I have two beautiful girls here. I cannot afford to be critical of myself. I want them to be able to reach to the stars on my shoulders. I want them to be able to, and if they don't have a mum they can't accept who she is and appreciate her own beauty, how am I expecting them to do that? And not just them, but the other women that I impact in my workplace and in the street and the generations and these women that we talked about that have suffering from domestic violence. We as women need to prove that we are beautiful. That need, not to prove it, to be accepted that we are beautiful. And when we do, like these women had just said, we shine with God's glory, making a way for others. There's nothing more critical. And and that's the point of it. Like sometimes we can just think, you know, does it really make any difference? Yes, it does. It makes a huge difference. And it gives glory to God, which is the main thing. I'm going to take us to another lesson from Eve. So the first one is know that you are beautiful. The second one is you are good enough. You're not perfect at all. (laughs) We just saw that. We've got lots of imperfections, but you're good enough. Women are commonly known for being their harshest judges of themselves and others and often comparing themselves. This comes from the place that I am not good enough. Like as if we were meant to be perfect in some way and we've missed the mark. You know, I I feel sorry for Eve in a way because she was the first one to sin. You know, it's really tough being the first at nearly anything that you do in life because hey, it's a huge expectation. And there she was in the Garden of Eden. We read in Genesis 3, 4, 6, the serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's got really going on. You'd be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized that she would get out what she would get out of it, She'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. Seriously, imagine having that on your shoulders. I was the one that did disobeyed God for the first time. Ah, like talk about being harsh on yourself. I reckon I would have really crawled under a hole and never come out after that. It's it I but I take comfort in Eve because she failed miserably. And God still restored her and loved her. She was tempted and gave way to sin. Clearly this now changes everything. It wasn't just a little sin. It was catastrophic people. It was her disobedience. I have done some stuff wrong in my life. And seriously, um, you know, I've stuffed up, but imagine being known for the first human to ever sin. And if she can come out of it, so can I. You know what I'm saying? If she can be restored and go back to her, come back to her, you know, um, reformed glory because of the grace of God, then so can I. And I reckon she'd be whispering in our ears today. You are good enough. You are good enough. You are beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're everything, but you're not perfect. No, but see, this is the thing that I learned from Eve. Perfection isn't the goal. When did that become the goal? It never was, it never is. And God always had made a way because Jesus is perfect. He's like, I've got that covered. I've got perfection covered for you. Okay, and it comes in the form of my blood. It's done. It's a done and dusted deal. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be you and love me. And I'll work all that rest of that stuff out. Yes, you're going to make mistakes, but that's your humanness and I've got it all sorted for you. Phew, that's good news. That's good relief. I think, um, you know, one of the big things that um, as a life coach, number the one issue that I face all the time. doesn't matter what, what it is that someone's dealing with. It always comes back to this one belief. I'm not good enough. And it's from the beginning of time. It's the lie that the devil sold us right there back in the garden even. He hasn't changed the plan. We need to get aware of this and get on top of it. Um, yeah, so... What I find that comes out of that defeated, failure attitude is this sense of, well, why even try? If I'm not good enough, why bother? If I'm not good enough, uh, you know, I may as well just throw caution to the wind. You know, how could I be a good parent? How could I be good at my job? Or this defeatedness or people that feel like they're constantly striving and never kind of getting anywhere because there's this constant thing in in the core of their being, I am not good enough. Well, I've got good news. You are good enough. Eve, if she can do it, we can do it. <laughs> um the other one that comes out of it is control, where women will often you you know, have want have so much control in their life because they're trying to prove that they are good enough. Hey, relax. The reality is you're not perfect, everybody knows it, and you're gonna make mistakes, so just chill. Chill in that. God's got it covered. Overcompensating for their failure. So they try so hard in their own strength to, they become obsessive about things or legalistic about things. Everything's got to be just right. And they drive everybody mad. (laughs) Who's ever been like that? No, don't put your hand up. (laughs) We've all had those tendencies. Well, guess what? You know what? You are good enough. You are good enough. I was coaching this one lady who was obsessed about her house. And one of her projects was to go home and leave her house messy for a week and invite people over into it. Imagine that, girls. <laughs> Who could do it? <laughs> and she did it. And you know what? The guests didn't even notice anything was out of place. She was good enough. You are good enough. I had a, We were just talking this morning with my in-laws over tea. I told you I'd, I'd put this in somewhere. And I had a friend that I was helping. Um, she just lived over here in Kingswood, actually, and she's doing some decluttering. And I love decluttering, so I, I wanted to be involved in that because I am like to throw things out. Um, <laughs> and so we were sitting down and we're working out, you know, things to throw, things to keep, you know, that kind of thing. And she brought out this beautiful bottle of perfume that a cousin had given her. And it was one of those, I think you call it an atomizer, when it's sort of where you dab it, you know. It's not just... Spray, it's the real deal, very expensive, Chanel Number no. 5, and it was actually legitimately from Paris. And, um, and she brought it out, and she's like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't chuck this, but I could just give this to you. And I looked at her, and straight away, I said, no, no, this belongs to someone that deserves beautiful perfume. And she had a smile in her face. She knew exactly what I meant. She was trying to give it to me because she felt she didn't deserve it. She wasn't good enough. And I wonder, ladies, how many things do you push away out of your life because you think you don't deserve it? You deserve that beautiful perfume. You deserve that pampering that you got today in bed or the cup of tea or whatever it is. You deserve it. You are good enough. God cannot give you what you deny yourself. God can't give you what you deny yourself. You want good, people want confidence or, yeah, I want the good self-esteem, but I'm not good enough. Honey, you cannot afford to deny yourself the revelations and the promises of God anymore. You are good enough. Accepting that you're good enough it's your choice. It's your choice. Romans 8 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of death. You're free. You're saved. You're free. You are completely clean and whole in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, another lesson from Eve, you are a giver of life. I love this one. This is amazing. This is where the redemption power of Eve came in. Because here you have, in Genesis 3.20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living Just as that darkness had settled on her wonderful, perfect life, Adam declares, your name shall be called Eve, the mother of all living. She had taken on, you know, she'd been hiding and the fig leaves and the whole thing, and Adam calls her Eve. It was a prophecy. It was a word from God. That, you know what, despite this disobedience, despite the shame, you shall be redeemed by giving birth. They didn't know what giving birth was. They'd never known what all that was about, anything. They had no idea. And here there was this prophecy. This was extremely significant. This was clearly a supernatural word given to Adam. Remember at the point, neither of them knew what it was to reproduce. Reproduce. They had not witnessed a baby of any kind being born. This is the hope for Eve. Right there in the midst of her failure, she was reminded of who she is and what was she anointed to do. Right there in the midst of our failure, God says you are a giver of life. Hey, girl, remember, whether you've got children, you want children, you're ever going to have children, whatever the situation might be for you, it doesn't matter. As a woman, you hold the gift of life. That's our legacy. That's our design. That was our beginning. You know, your beginning determines your end. How you rem- how you know you're, you're where you're going to end up is all based on your beginning. And that's why it's so important for us to go back to our roots and know what our beginning was, because that's how we determine our end. What's this life going to end up for me? I'm telling you what it is. It's a giver of life. You are someone that was produced to bring life into this world. Now, whether that might be physical or spiritual, I don't know, but I think it's both. Definitely both. You know, I can go into situations. I've seen women do this. They bring life to the party. They bring this sense of, I don't know, nurture. I don't know what it is, what we do, but we just do it. And it's anointed, it's upon us. Before I had children, I was, I remember I went to this parenting uh, What was that thing that we, it was a parenting thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the name of it was. But anyway, this is where we got together and they talked about things that were going to happen when we we're going to parent and how to do that well. It was actually really helpful. (laughs) I'm not not speaking it up very well. But I remember asking this question and the whole room went silent. There was a bunch of pregnant women there, first child. We don't know what we're getting into. And and I asked this question. "Um, Can I ask a question? (laughs) Um, I'm wondering what happens maybe if I don't really feel a lot of love for my child? And they're alike. You know, pin drop. Um, That wasn't. I always ask the question that nobody else is, or everyone else is too frightened to ask. Okay, always. And this was one of those times. And everyone was staring at me like as if you're not going to love your child. But. Anyway, um, I was kind of curious because at this point, I'm not feeling any love right now, okay? I'm feeling uncomfortable. I can't sleep at night. Um, I want to pee all the time. It's, it's hard work. I do not feel the love right now. Does anyone? Come on, help me out here. Does anyone? Yes, thank you. There's a few other waves in the congregation. Okay, so I'm feeling like this, and I asked this question, and they said to me, Marnie, God will give it to you. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's a typical spiritual question. Great. Anyway, sure enough, when this little thing, she's big now, came out, God gives you an anointing to love your child. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened. I mean, she's very lovable anyway, but still, you just have the love. And in the middle of the night when they're screaming and crying, you have this love for them. It's a gift from God. God has given us women. The ability to be givers of life. Mums, grandmas, wherever stage you are at, women, you have been given the gift of life. It's something that the blokes don't have. It's kind of cool. We've got something that they don't have. It's just, I love it. It's, I don't know, there's some power in that, isn't there? (laughs) Um, Yeah. God designed you to be a woman of life. In Genesis uh, 4.1, it says, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. I think I would have said about the same thing. (laughs) With the Lord's help, (laughs) I have produced this human being. Eve recognized she was a giver of life. Mothers, you need to know that you were created physically, emotionally, and spiritually to produce life. Wow. Receive the significance of that. No matter what the season of life you are in in as a woman, new mom, maybe you're single, new married, grandma, career woman without kids, you were designed to be a giver of life. And whatever your situation is, know that about yourself and breathe life into it. Go home and go, you know what, I don't know what your situation is right now, but God, thank you that I am a giver of life, that you have destined me from the beginning of time to be like this. And I speak life into my circumstances in Jesus' name. For the Lord is God, this is Psalm 100 verse 5, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This, this morning, our lessons from me, this is a message for all generations. This isn't for the young. This isn't for the middle age. This is for all generations. You are beautiful, women. You are good enough. You are a giver of life. And I just want to honor you today. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this beautiful day that we get to celebrate the women in our world. Lord, we just lift up women that perhaps are in other countries right now, Christian women that are being persecuted overseas. We uphold them in our prayers. God, continue, continue to be with them. Continue to set women free, Lord, all over the world. Lord, we speak life and grace into their circumstances. And Father, I pray for the women in this congregation here this morning, God. Lord, I pray that life would be received And God, that they would feel encouraged, that they'd know today that they are beautiful, that they'd receive that revelation and receive it with grace, God. That they are good enough, that they are destined to do great things on this earth. And Lord, as men and women, as we join together, we thank you for all creation. and We thank you that we get to partake and partner with you in this awesome thing called life. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org.